Well, hello, everyone. It's Kira, Kate, and Max. And welcome back to our podcast, Lotus, where we discuss everything from periods to uteruses to ovaries and anything relating to women pluses reproductive health. Yes. So today we're joined by two very special guests, Haley Swervel and Hannah Halverson. Haley and Hannah are both well known for their incredible careers in Nordic skiing, where they have each had successful national and international careers, as they both competed in the 2022 Olympic Games in Beijing, which is just (laughs) so crazy. But more than that, the reason why they're here is they have also become advocates for prominent issues surrounding the intersection of women pluses health and athletics. I was fortunate to meet Hannah through a conversation at Harvard about our mission here at Lotus in conjunction with Hannah's work at Project Red S, which we'll get into a little bit later. But we're so excited and grateful to have both of you here today and can't wait to hear your insight and your stories and advice. Yeah. And just to start off, maybe why don't we give our listeners I guess just like a brief introduction to who you both are. So Haley, do you mind introducing yourself first and maybe talk a bit about your athletic background and what you're doing currently and kind of how you got to the point where you are today? Yeah, thanks so much for having both of us on. We've been excited to talk with you guys and think your mission is super important. So yeah, I'm Haley Swerble. I have been a cross-country skier for the last 15 or so years. So most of my life has been spent really focusing on endurance sport. I think with that exposure to endurance sport, I've encountered a lot of issues related to Red S and seen that through other athletes around me and also experienced some of that myself. So I think Hannah and I are really excited to, you know, get to talk with you both today and kind of share what we've learned and seen throughout our ski careers. Well, thank you. And we're equally so excited. This is such an important conversation to be had and we're thrilled that you guys are our our, our first official guests on our podcast so Haley you are so impressive and have done wildly incredible things and Hannah our other incredible guest maybe you could give a brief introduction as well about yourself yeah also super excited to be on here thanks for having us yeah I also spent pretty much most of my life cross-country ski racing I retired after the 2022 Olympic Games. I was on the national ski team for six years, and I just finished my first year assistant coaching at Harvard. And so that's kind of the intersection where I met Max. (laughs) I have also seen a lot of these issues with just how to be a human, how to be a woman, how to be an athlete. And certain issues are talked about, and then other things it seems like Everyone else seems to be fine. No one's speaking about it. It's just me. And that's where I've really realized through sport, like the power of talking. And I think that's why podcasts are really cool. And (laughs) yeah, I'm excited to get into it with you guys. Awesome. We're equally very excited. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we've oriented our listeners a little bit, let's get started with some more of the questions. And something that I love to circle back to was what you both talked about being a female athlete competing at a very intensive level. Personally, I did both volleyball and track in high school, but not at the Olympic level. But even then, I suffered <laughs> very immensely with my reproductive health. I would go months without getting my period, sometimes only getting it like three or four times a year. When each time I would go to the doctor, they would just tell me that this was like normal for young girls in sports and that I would like even now as I get older, but that hasn't really been the case. I'd love to hear if you guys share similar experiences and what what it was like talking to doctors or coaches or family members? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think 
one thing that came to mind when you were talking about that that I don't know if we talk about it enough in the sport community is what happens with birth control and how that affects mm. how when you're getting your period and how much you're getting your period I think it almost creates a safety blanket for showing you know for not having the loss of a period so I think that's something that I may have experienced I had an IUD since I was like a I think a junior in high school and I wasn't getting a regular period and you know over the next couple of years I definitely was not fueling enough was not treating my body well for the amount of training and the amount of pressure I was putting on it and I wasn't getting a period anyway because of an IUD so I think it's hard wow. to tell really how that may have affected me long term or reproductively but I do think that that's a really common situation that I know some of my teammates have faced and, and other women that I've, you know, younger women that I've seen come through the ranks. I think that's a really valid point and a problem that a lot of women athletes face and it's not talked about enough. I was going to say something similar to Haley that I actually brought it up to the female athletes on the Harvard team that they should try, if it were for them, this app called Fitter Woman because okay. you can track your menstrual cycle on it. And I found this to be really validating for why I would sometimes feel really tired, sometimes good, and mm -hmm. that it wasn't me, it was just the cycle, my menstrual cycle. And immediately the first thing they said is, well, I don't know when my period is, some of them. Because like, wow. I have an IV or I have birth control. And I realized like, this is really not a conversation that's going full circle. Because we're definitely bringing up, it's important for women to maintain their periods but then they're not, there, there doesn't seem to be the second half of like what if they have birth control and i think that yeah. allows a lot of like Haley said people who are maybe not fueling enough or not actually in a healthy like place for their body to kind of go under the radar because it mm -hmm. can be oh and maybe it's just the birth control or there doesn't seem to be a solution there yet mm -hmm. and maybe just to kind of orient all of us, would you mind just explaining what REDUS is and what Project REDUS is and kind of give us a definition, if you will, for this condition? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's so it used to be called the female athlete triad, which basically means like if you're not getting your period regularly, that means it's going to start to affect your bone density and you're going to have some other issues along with fertility, but just other long term health consequences. But then the term has recently changed to REDS, which stands for Relative Energy Deficiency Syndrome, which basically is to include all genders under this umbrella that if you're not getting enough energy, if you're not eating enough calories for the right. amount you're burning, you're putting your body in a state that's going to cause a lot of health consequences. Obviously, that's going to intersect with female health. Yeah. Is that enough? And so the organization I work Absolutely. with basically is trying to bring awareness to this, educate people on it, and reduce the stigma because the stigma is huge. Definitely. And how do you feel, at least now working on the other end as a coach, is this conversation easy to have? Is it kind of a forced conversation? Or how are, what is the response like from your athletes? And even Haley, if you want to jump in as well, if going the other way as an athlete yourself, having a conversation about your mental cycle with coaches, how does this kind of feel? The... First thing I would say is it's not that different than when I was an athlete. Like it seems like on the surface, 
everybody's fine. And then mm-hmm. when the conversation gets brought up, a lot of people are like, hey, me too, me too. Right. Um, right. I actually struggle with that too. So that's very similar to being an athlete. And the second thing I would say is I really learned it's just so important to have female coaches because a lot mm. of coaches are male. And yeah. even things that are pretty simple, like you're on the road and you need tampons, like it's kind of, if you have to ask the coach to drive you and it's a male, it's just like, there's, there's that. So mm. that's the other takeaway. I'll let Haley mm-hmm. add in. on. Yeah, no, I think you really covered it and hit it on the head. I do think one thing that's interesting to stand on and is like, when you start paying attention to your cycle as an athlete, you really notice how it affects you at different times of the month. So hmm. I actually work for, I am a board member for the Women's Heat Coaches Association, which is an association that helps advance and retain and develop women's heat coaches. In one of our recent meetings, multiple coaches asked, like, how do I, where do I find resources about how to help like my younger women athletes really like train and compete and know their bodies well enough related to their cycle so I think that's an interesting Mm -hmm. topic that is going to be talked about more in the future and there'll be a lot more research about that but I think it starts with the conversation like Hannah has said especially having women coaches around who are willing Mm. to understand that and look into that and may understand that on a personal level is super important and the first step to you know destigmatizing some of these things completely agree and this was actually a question i had kind of written out and was anticipating asking a little later but now that you've brought up this new idea with coaches of tracking cycles and staying on top of this. I was just wondering if we could dive into that a little bit more. Given the research out there, it seems like a lot of the recovery needed and training intensity has maybe stemmed from what we've seen from a male body. And I was just wondering if we could chat a little bit more about that gap in research for what this could mean for a woman plus athlete and how the hormonal differences and just kind of differences in general of the human body, how we've seen that interfere with the training regimen and if now teams are kind of looking to shift to incorporate more women plus specific like cycle tracking and things like that for training and recovery. Yeah and I think we also did a little bit of research and had kind of realized that it seems like and correct us if we're wrong but that Nordic skiing is predominantly a men's sport and so just curious I mean kind of what Mags was alluding to you know if all the research is surrounding men how do we kind of now incorporate women plus into the conversation and, you know, women plus reproductive health issues specifically in a male dominated space? Yeah, that's a good question. I immediately am like, man, is this a male dominated sport? And I guess sports just are in general. True. So yeah, they're, they're very male dominated spaces. Nordic skiing is yeah. a sport where we have equal prize money. Something I think that helps the gender equality of it is that the genders are not split by venue so we always travel together on the college circuit and the world cup you're always together and i think that Mm -hmm. does create help the equity i'm it doesn't mean that we're everything is equal or even or perfect but i think from the other lens what you're saying this is something i've gotten really interested in because i learned about only a year ago the tucker center which i don't know if you girls are familiar with but it's basically a research institute looking at women and girls in sport. 
Mm, and how do they how do their bodies adapt to training loads and different stimulus and basically huh. all like most training has been developed and tested on male bodies and then it's just basically mm. like oh let's take women and they're just like tiny weaker men and let's just put them in that and see how they respond to it and that's basically what's going on and that so i started learning about the tucker center like oh my gosh why are why are we training the same way we should be training ideally around our menstrual cycles which is cool that there's a foundation like this and this is becoming a conversation but Mm -hmm. i personally haven't seen training that works that way and i don't think anyone has developed a solution on how that would work because you'd we'd all be on a little bit different phase. I'm excited to see if that starts to become more relevant in women's sport. But yeah, I haven't I haven't actually seen that in action, but I've started to see it talked about. The other thing I was gonna add, and I think Haley, you could speak to this too, because we've talked about it a lot, is that men in women's bodies go through puberty in a different way. Mm. And without like, I'm not a doctor like qualified in this field, but just like, in general, they develop differently, and there doesn't seem to be much acknowledgement of that from mm-hmm. coaches, from education, from anything mm-hmm. I was taught. Mm-hmm. So it seems like when you're training, you're supposed to just get like stronger and leaner and fitter and tougher. And that wasn't my experience, like going through puberty. I got like right. hips and right. <laughs> yes. And then I was like, wow, I must be eating wrong. I must be lazy. I'm not training enough. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women experience that. Yes. Yes. Oh, my god. all gosh, you're told yes. is like training makes you fitter. And it does right. for men. But it doesn't, it's not acknowledging where puberty plays in. And I think more awareness of that would help a lot of young females. You know, I've kind of only really learned recently just through like biology classes and conversations with doctors and just women need a higher fat percentage Mm -hmm. on our body to actually ensure that our reproductive organs are functioning. And I think Mm -hmm. when, especially when you're growing up and you're hitting puberty and all of a sudden your body is changing and, you know, your fat's kind of, you know, being stored in different ways in different places. And, you know, you look to men who are training and all of a sudden are becoming lean and fit and all of this, but yet your body's responding in a different way. You feel like you're doing something wrong and that there's an issue with you. But I think it's difficult, especially growing up, because you think that training will, you know, make your body look one way, but yet your biology is telling you that your body actually needs to look a little bit different just to function normally. And I don't think that's really, you know, highlighted enough, maybe. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, certainly totally. rewarded. Your The reward comes from, if I don't know what your guys' Instagrams, if you have Instagram, looks like. But mine is all these, like, hyper-lean, toned, yeah. defined mm. women and men in very little clothes, like, doing right. lunges. Um, <laughs> that's not really celebrating this idea of, like, let me pr- really boost my menstrual health, my yeah. fertility. Let me take mm-hmm. care of my body right. and what my body needs. Like, my body doesn't want to look like that. No. My body wants to be a little fleshy and like be ready yeah. to have some babies like right exactly <laughs> exactly no of course and i think you know maybe i'll kind of segue into another question that we had but through our own research and work with lotus we talk a lot about how women plus often feel isolated and alone given that there is this societal stigma surrounding the discussion of one's gynecological reproductive or menstrual health and i think 
in a setting that often tends to normalize missing periods or operating in an energy deficiency, how do you think we should deal with this stigma or barrier in approaching this conversation about this topic? I think that's a, such a good point. How to approach this, the barrier that comes from the stigma. I don't know that there's a right or a wrong way yeah. to do it. I think having a conversation and talking about it is probably the the most simple way right. to start that. I think Hannah and I have both talked about, you know, body image and all kinds of related issues on social media or just amongst our friend groups. And I've always received like a really generous response about, you know, thanking me for talking about something that might be stigmatized, yeah. even from even from like a reporter in Norway who interviewed me a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And I was like, wow, even having something small to say about an issue that might not be talked about very much, I think can be really impactful. I also think Hannah and I spend a lot of time discussing all sorts of issues like that just with each other and really mm. having like a close friend or even a less close friend to just kind of discuss things with and, and yeah. problem solve and run ideas by each other is has been really like incredible to have Hannah as a friend like that. What do you oh. think, Hannah? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was beautiful and I think it really speaks to your your guys' organization and what you're creating because it basically is that. And I think that's, I haven't found anything close to a solution, but that is the one thing that brings me some peace and makes mm -hmm. me feel like puts my priorities in order and keeps me in perspective of like, what what is important to me? Is right. it is it being lean? Is it winning this race? Or, it, or is it bigger than that? And I think oftentimes when you talk to someone else, maybe you want to win that race or you want to be lean, but it's maybe not at all costs anymore. Mm -hmm. it, everything Absolutely. else gets weighed in. And yeah, I don't think there will ever be a solution. And Haley and I talk about this all the time. Like, is this ever gonna be any better? And mm -hmm. I don't know, I do think something that is a, particularly a strength of Women Plus is the ability to communicate and talk and share. And I hope that by leading the charge, everybody feels a right to that because everyone yeah. should get to feel what it feels like to share with someone what's going on. Yeah. Because I mm -hmm. think that that is the one thing that even if we don't have a solution can help. It's so nice to hear. Honestly, something we kind of throw around a lot, at least among ourselves and for those we've tried to include in our conversation, is just that exactly what you both have said, Hannah and Haley, the power of conversation and really just feeling that connection with another person has helped us immensely and is exactly what we're trying to do. So it's nice to hear that in the space in sports and in that kind of setting that it's similar. It can work the same way. And, you know, even just a conversation with one person, hopefully, you know, that leads to conversations with more and more. And there's kind of this exponential effect that you're right, even if there isn't necessarily a solution, hopefully this is at least one step in the right direction where people can actually feel okay with discussing these things in a society that might not promote it. I think like, yeah, I see more and more people talking about things like this and what you guys are doing to establish connections between other people with similar circumstances. Oh. That's so huge. I'm, I'm yeah. stoked for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Awesome. I guess move on to the next question. So you guys touched on this a little bit about how these conversations have occurred within your own teams. I know Hannah, you talked about it with the women's team at Harvard specifically, but I'm really curious here, like as you've grown older, has there really been any sort of dialogue, especially in these high level teams about your reproductive health? Like how do coaches and teammates and physicians sort of address this issue? And if not, also like how does one start this conversation? Yeah. I do, Hannah, do you, I like nothing really is coming to mind to me about specific conversations that any coaches or doctors or teammates have actually really focused on reproductive health and how what we're doing now might impact that. I think mm-hmm. one situation that really comes to mind is watching one of Hannah and my ex-teammates and, and our good friends go through trying to get pregnant, actually, like in her mm. 30s now. And wow. she's spent her whole career as a Nordic skier, as an athlete, you know, requiring so much of her body, pushing her body to the limits every day. She, I don't think she's ever struggled with with fueling and not giving her body enough energy. At least, I don't know, Hannah might be able to speak on that too. But I do think it's been really fascinating to me to have kind of like a firsthand view of what like difficulties of getting pregnant and fertility Mm -hmm. struggles that may or may not be related to sport, even if you've eaten enough and not had an eating disorder. But I think, I think that's something that we definitely need to think about and talk about with younger athletes is how, we can give ourselves the best opportunity to also start a family one day, even though mm. we're asking so much of our bodies through our 20s and yeah. beyond for some. Hannah, what do you do? You have anything to add there? I agree with you. I think this conversation has brought it up more for me than ever before. Like, why isn't this talked about? Like, right. mm. uh, yeah, it's not something we talk about on our ski team. The doctors have never brought it up with us. My mm. main experience and interaction with it is through like my family my mom has some fertility complications I guess Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. and that has led to a lot of like challenges when I was growing up and so I know about it through there and I know how challenging it is I know how like stigmatized it is Mm -hmm. and I know my mom would use like I feel like it's a lot more accessible now but like she had like some online like support groups where they would mm-hmm. where people would meet it's kind of exactly like this because she just wanted to talk to someone who yeah understood how how challenging that was but those feel like two separate worlds I have like my ski <laughs> life and my home life and mm. realizing wait maybe those are actually everyone has this going on too mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow that's yeah. it's honestly crazy here sorry Haley go ahead yeah no I'm just thinking like how how can that change I guess I wonder who that should come from. I think I think it can come from us, I guess, Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first to really bring that up. But yeah, that definitely should be something that is discussed more because most of my teammates want to have a family one day. And I think when you're when you're twenty two and and on the ski team and you might be on the ski team for the next twelve years competing, like you don't really feel like you have to plan for that. But by that point, like you're almost at a higher risk pregnancy age and right. and you have no idea what your fertility is like I, I feel like I don't know I have some like really awesome roommates right now who are all like in their early 30s and 
we talk all the time about like freezing your eggs because mm. the longer you wait, like the more risk or damage you can have to your eggs and uh, mm -hmm. that could lead to complications, I guess, you know, trying to get pregnant. But I think that, I don't know. I almost think like, I wonder if that conversation should be brought up yeah. to, to these athletes that are, you know, competing in endurance sports and well into their thirties. Yeah. Just planning for that. I don't know. Also, I think one thing that just came to mind is like seeing some of my older teammates in their 30s, like how lean they are. Just like how mm. I think when you train your body for years and years and years, like as you get older, you start to really like you don't hold on to fat as much. I think like at, at all of mm -hmm. our age, we're still at the age where our bodies are like, let's have a baby. It's time yeah. <laughs> we need to hold on to all this fat so we can make so we can make breast milk and I just that also is something that like really could affect people's fertility later on in endurance sport I don't know I know I'm curious <laughs> totally and I think that's something that we have realized just through market research and you know seeing what options are out there what you'll find is that there are resources for women that are older and that are kind of you know, women plus in this more family planning stage of life. But when you're younger, kind of like you both have alluded to, it's a little bit weird to have to think about these things in a time where, you know, you're not trying to have a family. You're in your 20s. You're trying to live. You're trying to compete. You're trying to, you know, go about your life. But yet these issues do exist, as we've seen. And I do think our conversation is helping us, you know, at least kind of open up the conversation about future fertility and reproductive health down the line, even if it's not super pertinent to our existence at the moment. I, I was thinking about what Haley was saying with waiting to have a baby until you're in your yeah. 30s because of skiing or sports, but I feel like just socially and culturally mm. that the age is rising, right? I, I don't Definitely. know. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true, but it seems like people are having children later and that really doesn't benefit like my mom told me like if because I have the same fertility complications I can't remember the name of it because it's just not I'm not trying to have a baby right now so I haven't yeah. <laughs> wanted to bring on like okay I gotta figure this out but she said like if you want to have a baby you're you want to do it as early as possible because it's just mm, gonna yeah. get harder and harder and so like mm -hmm. at least for me it's really not gonna be a benefit to wait till I'm mid-30s right. I should if I want a baby I should do it now when I'm 25, but I don't right. want a baby right now. Right. And so I'm not really thinking about that. It's it's so interesting. The more and more kind of we've talked about it, there's always this like moment in our conversation where it's like, oh yeah, we actually haven't brought that up like in whatever sphere we're in. Maybe we should be talking about this. So it's really interesting to even hear from such like a high level perspective that even these issues that are specific to women and women plus that are in this space like it's still not talked about it's very yeah. interesting yeah let me think about oh there was one more thing and this is specific to hannah that really resonated with me and it's a little bit kind of away from what we've been discussing but i think circling back to the red s symptoms that we talked about and something that just resonated with me was when you were talking about being sustainable with your training, with your eating. And I'm thinking now how this can relate to your reproductive mm -hmm. health in the future if you're sustainably, if you're eating in a way that's sustainable for your lifetime or training in a way that's sustainable for your lifetime, that, that could 
then maybe have implications for better reproductive health and chances. And I just wanted to know if you had any more to elaborate on that. It's just something that I remembered from our conversation we had last time and really kind of stuck with me. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I find that is also often what I use to like ground myself is mm. I ask myself, is this sustainable? Whether it's mm. like a way of eating, a way of exercising, a way of socializing. Yeah, anything. Can I, is this going to work for me long term? Of course, I can do pretty much anything for a day, a week, a month. But is this going to work for me? And I try and use that to make decisions. And I, I know that a lot of athletes who have struggled with eating disorders when they get better are able to have a baby and so i don't know what the solid research is on on the implications of that and we've definitely looked at that at red s like because we don't want to put something out there that's not true um right. it's obviously not going to help your long-term fertility to be under fueled for years but it doesn't seem like it's an end all like you're done you can't have a baby there doesn't seem to be anything like that but i think it's just a generally good message to follow is when you start trying to change who you are asking yourself is this sustainable whether it's like Mm -hmm. trying to do a intermittent fasting or um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. keto or it might work for some people but like asking yourself truly you're the only one who knows yourself am i going to be able to do this because what's the point if you're going to do it for three months Exactly. What What is that for? And maybe just to kind of wrap us up and to bring our conversation back to Red S. So I know you all are, you know, becoming super important in this conversation in the intersection between women plus reproductive health and athletics. And I guess maybe could you just share a bit about like where you started with Project Red S, where you're planning on going, what events you've done, what the mission and the organization itself is trying to do to help illuminate this conversation a bit more. Yeah, of course. It's it's really exciting. It's kind of well, the stuff that I've enjoyed working with and written about and talked about as an athlete. Now there's like an organization who's trying to do it and right. trying to get the funding and trying to make this a thing to create curriculum and exposure and awareness and a conversation around these issues. And so it is a really strong team. Like all the people who work for Project Red S are almost all retired female athletes who have maybe experienced this themselves or had a teammate who did. And so they just know it's, it's a big issue. And now they're kind of trying to be like, is there anything that would have helped me back when I was that age, mm. back when I was competing, mm-hmm. is there any type of resource or yeah. thing that would have made things just easier for me? And we're trying to create that. So mm. we're going to be at a really cool women's conference in Boston in June, mm. which I can't wait for. I don't know if Lotus is going, but... Ooh, no, <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we'll have to come. I, I should look up the actual name of it, but I can send it to you afterwards. It's so Please. cool. It's just like a three-day conference and they're going to bring in all these highly qualified professional speakers who are talking about women's issues women's health that intersection Mm -hmm. with sport that intersection with just the culture and and socially and so like there's talks on like there's definitely stuff on fertility there's stuff on project red s kind of stuff there's stuff on like injuries and common injuries for women to get in sport Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, how women should train 
what's healthy what kind of exercise is healthy for women they're gonna bring in a bunch of cool speakers and that sounds great so Maybe. yeah we're gonna be there awesome. awesome is there anything else before we head out that you'd like to share considering just our goal of destigmatizing the discussion of Women Plus's reproductive health or anything on your mind before we start to wrap up. The space is yours. We just appreciate you being here and being honest and open with us. I just think keep the conversation going is really all I can think about. I think it's super powerful and and we don't even know, each of us on this call don't even know the impact that even bringing up a conversation in a minor way has on someone and mm-hmm. and can allow someone to feel okay with the situation they're in and also hopefully help pass that conversation along so i think yeah thank you so much for for having us on it's been really cool to learn more about lotus too and what you guys are trying to do (laughs) i support the mission thank you (laughs) we appreciate that we might have to quote you on there (laughs) (laughs) how did the website Haley swervel supports our mission (laughs) totally feel free (laughs) yeah I, I can't say that better than Haley. I second that. It's really cool what you guys are doing. Thanks for having us on. I want to thank you both so much for taking the time out of your day to be guests on our podcast. We truly appreciate it. And I, I feel so invigorated from this conversation. Like it just really affirms like the work that we're doing. And and it's just so nice to hear. So to our listeners, if you'd like to keep up with Hannah or Haley, you can follow them on Instagram. Your Instagram is at hannah.g.halverson, correct? And then Haley is hai.swirl. Yep. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you both so much. We really appreciate it. Yes. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We clearly have just had such an insightful and powerful conversation with two incredible women making so much progress in the space surrounding Women Plus's reproductive health and the intersection with athletics. Um, Make sure to follow us on Instagram at lotus.health.app and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to be notified when our next one is released. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you later.